0: Women who rock. Women who rock. Women rock. Women who rock. Women Women who rock. Women who rock. Women who
1: rock. Women who rock. This is Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting Australian female musicians and artists. I've been saying that for 16 episodes, <laughs> but today I am truly kind of stepping out of my comfort zone a bit. I'm not interviewing a rock musician, but I'm joined by a visual artist. Sarah Edos is an artist whose work spans multiple different mediums. I recently saw her exhibition, 3D Imaging, which combined all sorts of really interesting things. Sarah, thanks so much for joining me today.
0: Hey, Maddie. It's
1: great to talk to you. I saw your exhibition in August. When I was talking to some friends afterward and trying to explain the kind of mediums that were used, Mm. I was struggling a bit. Can Mm. you please give us an overview of, I guess, the approach or the different techniques that you use for your recent exhibition?
0: Yeah, sure. So that exhibition was pretty much all made of silicon. So I I usually use materials that you can sort of do sculptural things to, even though they kind of end up as 2D works. So before I was working in silicon, I was using wax. So it's sort of similar. You can cast it and cut it up and melt it and do all sorts of things. So with the silicon works, which are more recent... I um a lot of them are um made from slicing or extruding use lots of like panels full of holes and push the silicon through them. also I just make lots of big masses of silicon and slice them up and put them down on a panel
1: <laughs> and yeah. It was sort of you're using these particular mediums, but also There was quite a lot going on at the exhibition. There was also Mm. a painting on canvas. There was animation as well. Was Mm. it a conscious effort to sort of span across multiple different mediums for the one exhibition?
0: Not a conscious effort. I do quite a lot of animation as well. And that sort of seems to bounce back and forth between the still works, like the flat things and the moving works. The still works... Uh, sort of based on repetition and gradual change, which is how animation works. So, yeah, they sort of feed off each other.
1: And I guess the, some of the ones, so it's kind of like you have this, the plastic tubing with mm. this, sorry, what is the material inside? the tubing? That's silicon as well. That's silicon. Yeah. And it has kind of, it's not a single colour. It's, I guess, an array of different colours.
0: Yeah, sometimes I'll just bunch together a whole lot of different bits of silicon of different colours.
1: And so those almost become... Like, pixels is, I guess, the way yeah. that I was thinking of it. Yeah. You, you have these, like, swirls of colour which represent individual pixels and then you're putting it all together on a canvas. Yeah. And so I went to the artist talk that mm-hmm. you gave and I think it was really interesting. One point you mentioned was the idea or the concept of cross-section. Yeah. Because that's sort of what that's doing. It's like you have this array of swirling colours and you're capturing one point in that and that becomes the pixel. Yeah, what was the okay. the important concept or the idea of, of taking a cross section?
0: I mean it's just something that naturally happened in the studio um, I think one day I was just like slicing something and it was really satisfying Okay <laughs> <laughs> and you know when you look at the cross section sometimes it's just makes this really beautiful flat image that you never even knew was inside that piece of whatever it was so I guess I just started doing more of that It wasn't really a conscious concept and then I went about making the artwork. I just more, yeah, something happened in the studio and I just sort of kept doing it and developing it um, in the ways that I thought looked the most interesting or in ways that reveal some sort of pattern that you wouldn't normally see.
1: It almost sounds a bit forensic wanting to cut something yeah. up and find out what it looks like on the inside. Someone else also, I think, asked a question during the talk mm. about the concept of, I guess, how this art form meets, I guess, technology and thinking clinically. Can you comment on yeah. that as well?
0: There's some parallels between things like 3D printing and even MRI, sort of any, any process that uses a whole series of cross-sections of a 3D object, that's sort of how I work but in reverse, so I'm sort of making a big chaotic object, like a big lump of silicon or something, and then slicing it up and making that the image rather than the original 3D thing, if that makes sense.
1: So the exhibition was, is it called 220 Creative Space? Yes. Yeah. It's kind of, it's like near the Coca-Cola sign yep. in King's Cross. When I went there, it was the first time I was there and I spoke to the curator. Yeah. And yeah, she told me a bit about it. it. sounded really interesting. Can you tell me a bit about that venue and why you chose to go there?
0: Um, I just really liked the space. It's just a really nice, simple gallery. It's just one big space and lots of natural light in it hmm. um, and also obviously good location being in Darlinghurst and but it also has just a good collection of interesting artists a lot of which have been my friends so that's kind of what got, oh, up, nice. got me onto the gallery in the first place.
1: It's, uh, yeah so I actually is it Tanya? the
0: Yep, Tanya
1: Yeah I've actually heard Tanya on oh, really? doing interviews that's about right. a couple of weeks after so that's I think right. it's something that is a really good kind of community about the gallery
0: yeah yeah Yeah,
1: right something that we should all go and check out I think (laughs) yeah one point we've definitely hit on already Mm. uh, looking just at that one exhibition of the many that you've done is that there's a lot of different mediums explored so when you were originally studying you started with I think with painting Mm. and then you moved I guess to more animation focused in what you were studying Mm. what was the reason for that transition
0: I guess I just did painting straight out of school, I wasn't really, didn't really know what I was doing yet Um, and then I thought I'd just go and do something a bit more practical after doing a painting degree so I did a Masters of Animation which I'd also just always been interested in, getting into visual effects and animation Um, and then I sort of worked freelance animation for about five or six years after that and then I sort of got the itch to go back to painting. So I went back to studying that, did a master's at the National Art School in painting and just finished that two years ago. So, yeah, now it's some sort of blend of the painting and animation backgrounds coming together.
1: So the initial transition was more like a practical choice. Yeah, to do much. animation.
0: Yeah,
1: right. But now you've kind of combined those two worlds. Yeah,
0: I've come back to the non-practical career choice, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> well, you could
1: maybe you're combining the best of both worlds. Yeah,
0: I like to. Think <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it was a very illuminating experience for me. I mm. must admit that I don't go to a lot of visual art events, mm. and yeah, so I was there for the talk. Yeah. So you kind of give this talk describing the work, and that was a new experience for me, because normally I see, you know, if I go and see a band, Mm. they play the album, but they don't get to sit down and dissect it. Well,
0: yeah, like, uh, well, artist exhibitions, most people will aim for the opening night, because that's a big party, Mm. that's the social event, but um, I definitely prefer going to the talks, because they're just, you know, you actually get a bit of insight into the work, so that's always good.
1: How was that experience as an artist? Doing the talk. Doing this thing that you've spent so long on and gone through all mm. these different transitions and things and then you have to boil that down into 10 minutes. Is that a hard process? Um,
0: it's not really hard. It it, it felt pretty natural because it's just all the things that are in my brain already. So it's just like somebody opening my mouth and letting them all tumble <laughs> out. You're um, the conduit for the art. Yeah. but um, So it's nice to share a bit of that because a lot of the time you're just in the studio by yourself making the art
1: bringing it out for the world to see yeah exactly
0: (laughs) put it on a wall
1: I saw a quote from the producer, Quincy Jones, from an interview I think he did at the start of the year, and he said something like, when you are trying to make a song and you're trying to make a million dollars, then God leaves the room. Mm. I I think that the idea of making money from art is a really interesting concept. Mm. Can you tell me, I guess, your perspective on the conflict between creativity and capitalism?
0: (laughs) Um, I don't know I actually don't think about it that much I'm lucky that I do a few things that make me money so I don't have to put all that pressure onto my art practice so I do like teaching and do army band so yeah that's enough to live off and then anything I make from my art is just sort of bonus Um, but I find the other thing is thinking about making art that's going to sell or not, often it overlaps a bit as in usually the art that's just working well, even if I'm not thinking about um, the commercial aspect, the art that is working well in its own right tends to be what interests people anyway. Okay. Whereas if, if I sort of went about making an artwork that i thought would sell i think that would it would be a bit magicless and people probably wouldn't be interested anyway
1: mm. do you think that if you were not doing these other things that make money for you mm. it would really change your experience in the studio
0: there'd definitely be more pressure but at the same time you just can't expect to live off your art you know, if it's not, if it's not already happening. So, yeah.
1: Do you think that that has maybe changed over time in terms of people being able to live off exhibitions in 2018? Mm. I guess maybe it's difficult for you to say because you haven't been doing this for like 30 years or whatever. Yeah, but. I
0: think it's, it's always probably been hard for artists to make a living and... I think artists have always done, like, bits and bobs of whatever they need to do to get by. And those things can be more interesting than just being in the studio 24-7 anyway. Like, sometimes they sort of feed into the practice, which can be good.
1: We were speaking earlier about the different things that you've studied. Mm. You went on an exchange to Paris. Yeah. When you were studying your first degree, what did you learn there?
0: It was really nice in Paris because all the materials were free. So they just had these drawers and drawers full of pigment powder. And we just make up our own paints and... You know, big reams of canvas and whatever you needed, it was all there. So that was quite freeing. You could just try really big scale works without worrying about, you know, depleting the Kofa art store. (laughs) Um, And then also I got, in Paris was sort of the first time I had animation classes. I took some, that was like a whole major there that they can do. Um so I went along to those classes which was really great because they had an excursion to um like the oldest marionette school in Europe in Charleville-Mézières in France sort of out I think it was a few hours out of Paris. So that was really exciting so and that probably started the journey into um stop motion animation okay. which I got into after that point. Puppetry and stop motion, yeah.
1: Right. You mentioned earlier as well. So you play clarinet. Yeah. You play clarinet for the Royal Australian <laughs> Artillery Band. No. Um, oh. Well,
0: for the Army Band. Okay. But I recently did a trip to Queensland with the Artillery Band. Okay. Yep. So they're based in Brisbane, but I'm a reservist in the Australian Army Band, which is based in Paddington.
1: Okay. And how long have you been doing that?
0: Um, Seven years Yeah And is it mainly clarinet that you
1: play? You've been clarinet, playing cl- clarinet Pretty for a long time Pretty much just
0: clarinet um, Sometimes sax as well yeah.
1: So how often do, are you kind of doing
0: uh, We this? So we parade once a week Tuesday nights So that's just a, a rehearsal basically And then we just have gigs on top of that as they come up Okay, so right Probably like once every few weeks or once a month we have a gig yeah.
1: And is that something that – it's kind of a different world to being in the studio making art, but do you think mm. there's any link between uh, playing music and <laughs> being in the studio playing with extrusions or things like
0: that? Uh, no direct link that I've found. There are holes in the clarinet. I probably could extrude something <laughs> through there. Um, no, I mean, it's just nice to do a creative thing – as part of a team, I guess, in the band, unlike the studio, which is pretty solitary.
1: Is that a lonely road doing when you're doing exhibitions? You're mm. leading up to an exhibition and you're doing all these late nights and yeah. it's kind of all on you.
0: Kind of, yeah. yeah. It doesn't feel lonely. It's fun.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there's parallels between doing that and doing PhD. It's a pretty lonely road, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I'm
0: about to apply for a PhD actually. Oh, really? So we'll find out. Oh, cool. (laughs) Well,
1: you'll have experience in that solitary world. (laughs) Sarah it is time for Tell Me A Thing where I ask you to tell me a piece of information about one of seven topics. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, Patti Smith, punk rock, poetry, death and politics. Can you please tell me a thing?
0: I'm gonna tell you a thing. I choose musical equipment, the instrument of the theremin. Do you know what that is?
1: I have no idea what a theremin is. I think I'm about to learn something. Instrument. Okay. Um,
0: I should have googled exactly how it works, but it's it's a kind of electric box, and it has a metal kind of ring coming up out of one end, and then the other end has a metal just a rod like an antenna, and so you use your hands, like the proximity of your hands to the those two metal parts um sort of affects the electric wave somehow and changes the sound. One of them does pitch and one of them does volume. So like oh, the ring on one okay. side uh, affects the pitch and the rod affects the volume or the other way around, I can't remember. So if you watch someone performing it, which there's heaps on YouTube, they're just sort of doing these magical hand movements, sort of swaying them around the, the theremin but not touching it. And it makes music. It's almost amazing. And it's this really just ethereal, strange sound that it makes.
1: Almost, it looks like kind of you're conducting yeah, with kind your of. hands. I'm kind of waving my hands in the studio as I yeah. speak. But you're not actually touching anything.
0: Yeah, it's really beautiful. Right. Have
1: you ever played a theremin?
0: I've never seen one in the flesh. Ah, okay. I think they're quite rare. I think they were invented by some Russian... Maybe a radio person. Anyway, yeah. We kind of need to listen to some. Can we do that?
1: I could probably put a theremin. Let's put some theremin music in as the (laughs) outro for this. Okay. Um, Yeah, cool. Okay. I'm also going to go on YouTube later on and have a look at
0: that. (laughs) One one of the most beautiful ones I like watching on YouTube is The Swan. Sansons, The Swan. Played with Played on a the theremin Just a the theremin Just a the theremin Wow That's amazing How do you do that yeah. Okay cool Yeah I'm
1: going to go And look at that a bit later <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thanks for schooling me On musical equipments No worries That's one of the plans Of this segment Sarah thank you so much For spending some time To have a chat with me today Here Thanks, at Dua CR
0: Pleasure Thanks for having me
1: Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of DoSER 107.3.